Welcome to the Learning Hook Podcast. Join our team as they explore topics across learning and development, e-learning, media production, and all those creative learning spaces in between. For us, it's the just in time, just enough, and just for you. So let's learn, connect, perform, and do something great. Welcome, Brendan Carter here, Creative Director at The Learning Hook. Today, I'm really pleased to be speaking to you, Helen. I've got Helen Blunden, Director at Activate Learning, and who I see as really Australia's uh, leading authority in all things social and a whole lot more to do with learning. Um, you're just so active, Helen, so welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, now the pressure's on. Thank God. <laughs> uh, so, drum roll. <laughs> I guess at the start of an interview, for anyone um, that doesn't know you, Helen, it's just really nice to hear about perhaps your journey in learning and development or what led you to activate learning? So I've been in learning and development for about 24, 25 years. I started long ago in the Royal Australian Navy back in the days where, Mm -hmm. you know, you'd wrangle an overhead projector and remember those days? I don't know, you probably (laughs) remember those days. I do. If listeners don't know, I was in the Army. So Helen and I have a rich history of defence many years ago. Yeah, I had the overhead projectors and um, I even was looking for little learning hooks back then of how you could use that projector in different ways. That's right. You had objectives of... Uh, creating our courses and programs and slides so I started from there but that's where I had my introduction to performance I mean the military was very Mm. I guess structured in the sense of identifying a person and their role and their their skills their motivations their capabilities Mm. their experiences within the role and then how Mm. to get them to the next point so I guess Mm. my background and interest in Human performance actually stemmed from the military, believe it or not. But then mm. I went into corporate world and fell mm. into learning and development consulting. And I've had all sorts of different jobs in the corporate world. So I've worked with Telstra, ANZ, all sorts of different roles from instructional designer, facilitator, learning and development consultant. I've administered and managed LMS systems. I've even implemented a whole heap of systems. Oh, I had no um, idea about the LMS side of things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any job within L&D... I've pretty much had it. But in the last few years, I've been moving more across into the social learning space, Mm. but I've always had an interest in social tools and tech. And I remember back in 2004, back in our old um, Mm. Omni-Asia Pacific Mm. days, where I was looking at discussion forums and Mm. how IT people are using discussion forums. And I thought, well, this is a form of learning. So I think my first introduction to social learning was back in 2004, but back then it was too new. We were still talking about online learning course development. That's really interesting, Helen, because knowing that that's where, you know, social learnings come from tech areas, right, from production, because you're not learning from a textbook or from a course necessarily. It's always problem solving from your peers in the here and now. So you picked up at that at Omni when yeah. it, yeah, and was that from our dev team? That was that our development team that was there? Because I noticed at the time too how they learned. Yeah. And I, I didn't much. sort of pick up on it. Yeah, I didn't look at it from yeah. a sort of a, a social movement sort of thing. I appreciated it once I learnt about social learning, right? Yeah. And then I'm like, I get it. That makes so much sense. You yeah, know what I mean? That's what was happening. Yeah. And I, I mean, one of the things yeah. I love to do is I like to observe. I like to see what people are doing. And all these IT guys and the dev team, the way they were mm. learning, and though actually it's not really learning, they don't see it as learning. They're just collaborating. They're mm. um, sharing their expertise or how they solve particular problems. And they were doing mm. it all online. I think the penny dropped. 
And then there were certain other things that were happening around my life. Students were, you know, anyone who was doing a university degree, they were having and sharing their assignments or what they were learning in their studies through online forums. Mm. And this was back in 2004. And that was around the time LinkedIn also started and social tools started. And I was dabbling in that area. I was blogging since in the early days as well. So I was seeing all this around me, but I didn't really, the penny didn't drop until I remember going to an academic conference. Out of the blue, I thought, I'm just going to go to this university conference on personal learning environments. I was the only corporate person there, but I saw it advertised and I rang up the university and I said to them, I'm from the corporate world. I'd love to come along to see what you guys do. And they said, yeah, sure, come along. There'll be other corporate people. There was no one there. I was the only (laughs) corporate person in a sea of academics. Yes. And I think that's when the penny dropped for me because they were talking about personal learning environments. They were Mm. talking about students learning from each other and with each other, the way the, I guess, learning around from the world and kind of making sense, reflecting on what you were learning and then sharing out to the world. It was completely foreign to what we were doing in the corporate world. So that's when I started, I guess the, Mm. the jigsaw puzzle was building in front of my eyes, but I had to experience it and observe other people for me to realize, oh, this is something that we haven't even touched in corporate learning. And Mm. this is how people are learning outside of work anyway. So why aren't we exploring that or how can we integrate that back into the corporate world? But back in 2004, it was just too early days. It was all too new. Only now am I seeing more Mm. interest in the um, social and collaborative learning and the use of tools like our mobile phones or our social networks Mm. to be able to tap into. So I guess that's a really long-winded way of how I've gotten to this point where I am. So, so it's just still the in. thing, though, that inspires you by the sound. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of the why yeah. of what you do, what you do. Yeah, because yeah. I love it because what I'm seeing yeah. is that um, we're, we've got all these tools and technology at our disposal. And I love to watch people. You know, you go on a train, every man and his dog is on their phone. And I love to watch what they're doing. And then I think, well, how can I incorporate that? And what I see is they're actually talking to other people. So Mm. the tools and tech are really channels to get you to other people. So Mm. we might say it's social technology. It's social because it's connecting us to different people around the world who are giving us different ideas, who Mm. are giving us different insights and perspectives and very diverse interests and opinions that Mm. we can then sit, reflect, think about, okay, how does this apply to my own work? How can I use it in my own work? Mm. How does this perspective really affect what I'm doing here. In a kind of weird way, social tools and technology has allowed me to be more introspective, but also I believe it's made me a better person because it's tapped me into a whole world of completely different thinking and it's challenged me every single day and I love it. And and I think it challenges too, well, particularly enterprise to sort of embrace it. There have been real challenges there. And that's an exciting point too, I guess, is that that it's great when you're working with anybody and you kind of open, there's an unperceived need. So they haven't really seen they need it. But once you've explained the hard wiring, I think, in humans that attract yeah. us to certain technologies, and yeah. the mobile phone is certainly one of those. Yeah. You know, I, I was looking at an old um, black and white picture. I've used it in a few presentations. So forgive me if anybody's listening and seen this presentation. <laughs> but it's a great picture of, of a train. 
black and white. I love my old retro pictures, right? And everybody's reading a newspaper. That's right. Every single person has a newspaper. And I love that picture because it's just that it's the hard wiring in yeah. human beings. And, and so, you know, when we reflect on particularly the people that sort of whinge about too many people on their phones, well, you know, walking down the street reading a newspaper is not a good idea. So it's probably not either <laughs> on a phone, phone right? <laughs> or driving. It used to be an MX newspaper in Melbourne exactly. 10 yeah. years ago. So it's just the same thing. Why we've embraced it? Because the technology, there's something in our hard wiring as mm. human beings. And that's the interesting observational, yeah. anthropological sort of thing, maybe, that's just there that and yeah. so we're going to connect ourselves to tech that works for us as humans That's connecting right. us to other people to the things we want probably to good content so we're getting to the stuff that we yes. want very quickly and feel that connected it's exactly yeah. right so mm. you might have your own opinion about yeah reading the newspapers or reading or yeah. being on your phone i just keep thinking it's got to be good if you're using it to the point where um you are exposed to different ideas different perspectives new insights new diverse interests that you've never come across, these tools and tech allow mm. you to do it, but you're still connecting with other people out there. So I still think, I follow someone on Snapchat. His name is Joe Wilson. He's a storyteller. He writes stories. He creates movies. He lives in Hollywood and he has this snack. He, he calls it people are the platform. When I heard him say that, I thought, yeah, that's that's right. Actually, we can have all the tools and tech in the world, but really what it's ultimately doing, it's connecting us to other people, to other ideas. So, and I think we need it over time as we see more and more technology getting integrated into our lives, Mm. more and more technology being, doing the processes, automating our work process as well. Mm. I think the human element of people just talking to people is going to be more important. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good point too, I guess. I know reading, you know, the the, uh, famous Burson report every year, you know, and HR systems, et cetera, and the automations, absolutely. I mean, it's it's already happened to a degree and just happening more so. Um, There's a lot of smarts there and, yeah, we can't forget that human connection. I often think about that with Agile too. It can be embraced um, anyway without going down the the rabbit warren. It's um, that the human side of stuff is hugely important. And that's why social learning probably happens as you said, Helen, really naturally. Yeah. I think there are challenges mm. with sort of, particularly with enterprise adopting or strategizing, if you like, social learning yeah. and, and how that works. Because there was a lot of buzz around yeah. that term. Yeah. I guess in our industry, there's always lots of buzzes yeah. every year, but social learning was big yeah. five years ago in my mind where a lot of people, there was just a lot of talk yeah. and chatter about it. And I, I feel from my, yeah. I've, I've sort of seen it maybe just drop off a little bit. That chatter's not there. Yeah. I guess yeah, being so, you work in this yeah. space so much, there's sort of one or two big challenges that you've just seen across maybe multiple times. Yeah, yeah. I think the first one is the terminology, the social learning. Seeing mm. People seem to equate that to social media. So therefore, if it's social media, they'll equate it to Facebook. Therefore, if they equate it to Facebook, therefore it's got to be bad. Yeah, social right. to me denotes, interesting. social means that information can get out there, it's more accessible, you can search for it. Something um, that you probably can't do it a face-to-face conversation Mm. so when it's out on online platform you can search for that information you can search it you can make it accessible you can remix it you can interpret it you could make that change so i think the challenges that i've had with organizations is number one the terminology of what social learning is and the thing is people are learning from each other with each other all the time yes but sometimes as learning and development practitioners we need to put a product or a service around it we need mm. to measure it we need to how many likes how many follows and it's not about that mm. it's 
for me, it's how do we encourage our employees and organisations to be open enough to be able to show and share their work, their knowledge, their expertise, to share their unique stories in their own voice, in their own way, mm-hmm. in their own manner, and to feel safe to do so. And whether they're using Yammer, whether they're using mm. Facebook at workplace mm. or whatever, whether they're using a learning management system mm. with a discussion forum, I don't care. The technology is not. It's like how does how mm. can L and D support and empower people to feel safe enough to show and share their work openly and create little hubs mm. or, or whenever they're having these great conversations, think about. Well, if we've had this great conversation in this room, what can I take away now that I could share openly to across my organisation? Who else needs this information to be able to do the work? So I guess in answer to your question, the challenge is the terminology. Mm. It's also the understanding that people are doing this quite naturally in Mm. their work, but we feel a need to kind of compartmentalise it or push people on certain systems or technology. And it's more about looking at the culture of mm-hmm. the organisation. Is the culture open enough where people are allowed to share their work? Are people that's allowed the safety, to fail? The that's safety, the safety yeah. piece, yeah. That, and that's that's the number one driver <coughs> for, yeah, there was a survey. Of, I can't quote it, but I, yeah. I know there, it, was a, it was a number one driver for mental health uh, in yeah. the workplaces. Number one is actually just feeling safe to share ideas. That's right. And yeah. you see the, the reports, mm. the, the recent 2011 Pew report that said about 87% of people are actively disengaged in their work. And so if you've got a, a culture, actively, actively disengaged, disengaged. Yeah, well, yeah. so that means if they're disengaged, maybe they're disempowered, maybe they feel as if that what they say is not going to be relevant, it's not going to be acknowledged, or they're going to be pummeled from above um, or mm. negatively reviewed in their performance scores or mm. whatever it is, then you've got to ask yourself, is this a culture for learning? Is this a culture for people who are actively sharing their ideas, their insights, their mm. perspectives, their stories, and be allowed to mm. express their own voices? It's such a challenge. As a service provider, we're often asked to, you know, over time it'll be, well, you know, Brendan, how can we make the service cost less, do more, you know, more efficiency? Yeah. and higher levels of production. And that's a good expectation, really. Yeah. You work with any service provider. I, I'm putting those shoes on. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. I've been yeah. certainly a customer, and you expect over time workflow should improve, you know, productivity yeah. raises, etc. So if you've got a trusted provider, great. But I, I was sort of looking, and I thought, well, there is a ceiling to this too. And then I was thinking, I was flipping it and going, well, how does it sit for, for enterprise? It's such a challenge. The, so, And where I'm going with this is the culture within enterprise, because for us to truly embrace 80% is good enough or give me the skateboard first, guys, we'll get the Rolls Royce later. Those briefs often happen, but the reality when you're delivering of a a product or a service or an idea is that it needs to be absolutely polished. It needs to look great because often I think the greatest challenge for middle management is that they've got to look great for the people that their reports, they've got to look great for their reports and they're also reporting up the chain and there's an expectation that what they do is great plus there's a lot of competition with their peers. Yeah. Like, exactly. like embracing that from a project point of yeah. view, it's very hard for us as a service provider, say, to work in an agile methodology. Yeah. Low documentation. Are you serious? <laughs> as a service provider? <laughs> How do we get sign-off? Yeah. <laughs> we storyboard everything. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. sorry, I'm, I'm going left of field. But from the social side of things, I just understand that that pressure. It's even harder. To, yeah. yeah, so it's how do we embrace harder. that when we feel that... Because there's so much value in it. It does happen naturally. Yeah, it does happen yeah. naturally. And when I go into mm. organisations, I see it's already happening. 
but we're not recognising it. So what I'm seeing mm. is um, a recent example in an organisation I, I worked for recently, they had the Agile methodology. They had communities of practice. Right. Um, learning and development had no hand in that, though. These were little communities Production. that were already happening mm. and they were forming themselves around a particular topic or an mm. area that they wanted to learn from with mm. each other. They would organise their own events. So they were doing this quite naturally mm. and they were using their enterprise social network, Yama, to be able to pull together the events, be able to share the learning, be able to share out information, mm. links, articles, resources, and keep those conversations going. So my challenge and, and how I work with organisations is I come in and I can say, let me help you see what your organisation is currently doing, what tools and technology that you already have, where your communities and where your people are already mm. um, congregating and communing mm. And then we could sit down together and say, how can we help support these groups? Or how can we help the business create these little communities where learning is just integrated with as part of the work? Maybe not even use the word learning, maybe use collaboration. Because the other thing in people's head is that when you talk learning, people think of training, events, one-off activities, yes. where in yeah, actual yeah. fact, it's more communication. And I just see mm. how can I help organisations look at the environment that they're in and, and see what their people are already using within their work to do their work and how can we help these employees be able to manage information and mm. manage the distractions in their days, how to find information across multiple platforms, mm. how to find people, especially other experts or people within mm. their company for them to connect with and tap into so they mm. can do their work and how to build that employee's profile around their knowledge, their skill and expertise and get their outside of learning, they call it your online brand, really your reputation. So if you're an expert, Brendan, in online mm. learning courseware, but you're doing this by yourself in your own work and no one really knows what you do or how you do it, how do mm. we get your knowledge out to the rest of the organisation? So Absolutely. that's how I help organisation, help them manage information and distractions, mm. help their people use the tools that they're already using. Let's look at how they're currently using mm. the tools, the tech, mm. their mobiles. Let's look at what networks they're tapped into and how to mm. build their networks yep. and how to basically show and share their knowledge, their skill and expertise across the organisation so that the organisation, the business understands that they do have the talent inside the company. They do have the knowledge and skills. They might not know what Joe Bloggs is doing outside of work, but he might have a YouTube following of mm. a million people and he's an excellent podcaster and the business is screaming for some podcast skills. How do we know employees mm. are doing all this fantastic stuff outside of work? So I kind of like to see myself as a connector. That makes sense. Absolutely. So. <laughs> that's a powerful role, Helen. I, I love it. What you've just said then around, I, I think that service is just so valuable. We can be so wanting change and bigger change and seeing shinier systems, etc. But yeah, really understanding what we're doing well and yeah. that, that audit. You know, an audit's a really boring term, but I see it as really valuable if yeah. that is what it is, that sort of, that analysis work and, and deep diving into how people are communicating internally yeah. and how to champion that and not in a bad way, how to exploit it in yeah. a really good way yeah. is really valuable. We see that a lot too outside of social stuff just to do with, say, an L yeah. LMSs. Yeah. You know, learning teams are often small. 
in large companies and people move. So yeah. that human capital, it just moves. And then somebody else comes in the role and, and sees the, a learning management system for what it is, what they see is today, but they don't know the history. They don't know yeah. what it's capable of. They come in and, and so they want something new. Yeah, The new shiny right. one that does X, Y, and Z. And quite often, it's scarily so, their current system could have done that yeah. or they could potentially put an overlay in there that creates a great new user experience as opposed to, um, and still having all the analytics in the background and all that hard work doing the job architecture and yeah. all the work that goes into rolling out an LMS is, is huge. Yeah. So from a social point of view, I think, yeah, you've got to understand what's currently there. We need to also learn what is out there. We need to mm. kind of observe, I think, observing people and observing their work, go and sit with them at their workplace and actually look at how they're connecting. What tools are they using? Do they know how to use those systems more effectively? And you'd be surprised that I've, many times I've just sat down with people and I'd say, what are you using there? You know, And mm. they'll explain and go, so why are you using that tool? Oh, because we've always used it or whatever. Oh, so how do you use it in this context? Oh, this is what we do. So do you know that there's another tool that you could do? Oh, I didn't know. We need to know what tools and systems we have currently in our own organisation and know them well. But we also need to be mindful of their potential applications. So too mm. often we know how we use Outlook or how we use OneNote or how we use Yammer. Mm. And just because we've had a bad experience of it, mm. that doesn't necessarily mean someone else is going to have that same experience. So I True. think as L&D, learning and development people, one of the things I like to do is I like to experiment. And that's why I am experimenting mm. with video. I want to see the different applications. So then if someone asks me, can I use this for X? I can say, well, actually X won't fit. What you really mm. need to use is consider this tool mm. or have, have you used it in this way? So in a way, if we can explore not only what those tools are, but then how they could be used and how people outside our, our, our mm. organisation or our field are using those tools, you'd be blown away by the creativity of the creative way that other people have used that same have used tool. those same tools and you go, yeah. oh my God, I can actually apply it for this. Can you share an example of Yammer or a tool like Yammer, maybe Facebook a bit, yeah, you yeah, can have yeah. chains of strings of conversations, yeah. you can create groups, yeah. um, it's very social, you can search it. Search functionality yeah. on Yammer is really powerful. Yeah, it's brilliant. But I don't think people know how to search. I don't know if they know mm. the importance of tagging information. Mm. It goes back to what I was saying, mm. how information now, you can search it, you can make it accessible. It's not like a face-to-face -face conversation where whatever has Whatever we've talked about, it's gone, it's disappeared. The only thing that we remember it is in our memory. But out of that conversation, how could it have mm. helped others? Now, now we have a platform mm. in order for us to say, to write, hey, I had a great conversation with Brendan and he mentioned mm. this, you know, this aspect of learning management systems that I wasn't aware of. Do you know how you can do this? And by sharing that information mm. across a platform and by tagging it LMS or alternative, by tagging it appropriately, it means people can then find that information and then can apply it in their own context, in their own work. Now, that's interesting. As you were talking then, I was thinking, so Helen started, I, I was calling it social learning, which probably makes you cringe now, because like you're saying, <laughs> that actually has sort of, it's an emotive term, right? And, and that terminology is a, a, a blocker for some yes, people. Yeah. And, and so as you were talking then, I was thinking, oh, and I was connecting the dots with what you were talking about and going, this is now the curation. Yes. You yourself, Helen, are yeah. just so... Well, I guess I think set up and really from a skills point of view and your interests are so 
very much now. It's that contemporary kind of role that people are going, this is the new role in L&D potentially or, or within organisations outside of L&D is curation yeah. of content. I was just making that link then that I think that understanding tagging yeah. and how we can capitalise on mm. the information that we share, our internal enterprise stories, how they're, yeah. they're recorded that's right. and that's shared right. and we can tap exactly. into it and we can search easy. And so that's actually the curation role we could even argue that we should be creating a curation course yes. for everybody in yes. the enterprise, right? Yes. Five minutes on tagging, yes. baby. Yes. I saw years ago great success with Yammer, with yeah. cross-pollination of ideas, yes. and that was strongly driven by production within a large company that, that yeah. embraced it because they're techie problem solving but a lot of information was recorded in there and then when sales got involved with Yammer yeah. they started seeing some of the chats happening in production yeah. and they saw opportunities for selling some of that yes. stuff they're yeah. going now that's a bright idea yeah so then from there a new whole project was set up where the production people were taken from production set up with the sales people for an intensive two-week hackathon to create yeah. a new product for a large enterprise yeah, yeah it did very well and yeah. anyway it was just a great success story of that cross-pollination of sort yeah. of ideas Come back to the original question mm. about Yammer. Mm. One of the when I was with a bank, they had Yammer, and I was asked to work with the graduate committee. The graduates came to me and they said, "We want you to teach us how to use Yammer." And in my head, I'm thinking, "Oh my God, the graduates—they're Gen Ys. They should know how to use this you stuff." Just but, open it. Yeah, but yeah. it's really surprising. Don't yeah. assume that the age of people that they will know how to That's use such these a tools good point. more effectively. That's a really good point. So they came yeah. to me and they said, tell me why, what is the problem that you're experiencing? We just don't know how to use Yammer. And again, okay, tell me what is the real concern? I drilled it down to the fact that the graduate committee was spending so much time sending so many emails to so many graduates with all the different events that were happening. You can imagine yeah. their inbox exploding and then people replying to certain emails that they mm. didn't get information. And so I said, all right, so what I, I understand the issue is that you want to reduce the time it takes to send out mm. emails to communicate all the graduate events that are happening. And they go, yes, that's one. And they said, look, mm. the other thing is where everyone's close to the end of their graduate three months. So everyone had been on their rotation. Mm. And at the end of the three months, if they don't get work with that company, mm. they're basically out exploring other work. So I thought, mm. ah, so this is a real issue here. All the graduates, they're thinking about mm. how to get the next job in the company and they're all looking at where mm. they want to be placed, mm. what jobs they want to take. So I thought here's a perfect opportunity to meld to learn how to use Yammer by mm. reducing the time it takes to send out emails, mm. but also show and share the unique stories and the projects that these graduates have worked on in their last three months, in right. their current placement, right. and use Yammer as the platform. The workshop itself wasn't like, click here, do this. Grads get it. They mm. understand it. But the gist was, how can I help these grads mm. work out loud and share the story of the projects that they worked on in the last three months? What do they want to achieve at the end of it? And I also encouraged them to share what they were doing outside of work. And a lot of them said, oh, I don't want our manager to know what we're doing outside of work. But I said, look, it's interesting. And I'll give you an example. Mm. One of the young grads, I'm a knitter. Yes. But she's a knitter as well. But she... I know she about your knitting, Helen. Those massive. If, you, if, you're, if, you're, if you're not into knitting, you've got to look up maybe on Google like 
the largest knitting needles in the world or something, and you'll be surprised at what you'll find. Look at yeah. images. Uh, well, the thing was, this graduate, I just, it blew my mind when she told me this. She buys, you know those old knitting machines, those ones that crank, mm. you know, you knit jumpers within five minutes or whatever. Yeah, I've never yeah. used these machines. Yes. Yeah, right. But she buys old knitting machines. She reconditions them, and then she creates patterns which she codes on her iPad, and she sells the codes so she was making a That's little so side cool. exactly That's so, so cool. she was a coder wow she's got a, a thriving little sideline business outside mm-hmm. of work but she didn't show this side to her in the organization because she thought that it wasn't necessary and this mm. was at a time when the organization was asking for people with coding skills for people with entrepreneurial skills with people who can mm. help people help build a business and she's already done this and so mm. i encouraged her to share that story as well about what she did mm. in the end what had happened was we created this mm. tagging where a graduate would share their story and they would tag another few graduates to share their story and then it became viral encouraged the use of video use of um, photos as well and what had happened was video would get a lot of audience yeah not many people used it back then though i put it out to them if they could but a a lot seeing social feeds within enterprises usually the videos will get the most clicks of anything we've just seen it through google analytics but it was amazing to see the stories and then Mm. other employees would confirm that story and say yes joe did a fantastic Mm. job he's helped us with this aspect so what they were doing was actually they were providing a portfolio and evidence of the work that they did in the grad program. They were sharing their own story. Their stories were being confirmed and supported by their peers and other employees. Mm. And all of them found graduate placements because they actually made themselves visible in an organisation. They weren't just the grads. They were grads who were actually doing stuff, who were building businesses outside, who were helping finance teams. So this is the stuff that I really love to do and help people show that We've got all these unique skills and knowledge and capabilities mm. and abilities, and now we've got these enterprise tools that can help us. Mm. And that is a formalised strategy too, because yeah. one of the things yeah. you're saying at the start is that it, because it's social happens naturally, yeah. it's like happening naturally, but we can, it's appreciating that and then weaving that into our campaign. How does that fit in the blended approach or how does it fit in the learning campaign? Because mm. we can take advantage yeah. of it. Then people do it naturally. I guess you got a good uh, win there. I think yeah. tagging people is a good one. I don't know. I just keep thinking it's whatever you do in real life, you do online. So if someone says to you, that's a great job, Brendan, mm. you should meet Joe Bloggs, who's mm. also doing something in that field face-to-face. Now, in an online format, mm. that you could do exactly the same, but you're adding at symbols. So mm. an at is a mention. So you're mentioning mm. someone. So what would be the polite thing if someone mentions you to someone else, you thank them, you reply to them. Behaviour that we do normally face-to-face must be and should be also online because Mm. that online, what you do is then you build trust and credibility and likability. So people get to know that, Mm. okay, I can trust Helen. She's actually helped me connect me to someone else who can help me with my work or she acknowledges the work that I have done and she connects me to someone else who's also in Mm. a similar field. Social is all about likability, trust and helping and supporting others as well. But we've got these platforms Mm. to do that. That's cool. (laughs)
Oh man, I'm, I'm thinking of building a few courses in this space now, Helen, or you should. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about LearnTech Asia, because yeah. I, I guess this is a really current thing. If you come yeah. across this podcast in the future, well, hey, this is 2017, <laughs> near the end of. And Helen's had a, probably a pretty awesome trip to LearnTech Asia. I, I would have loved to have um, been there too. I, I guess I'll have a listen now and see if I want to go next year. But uh, yeah, I was was interested. I know you wrote a blog about it. So no doubt you could go to activatelearning.com.au and and read Helen's blogs. But And I did have a read. It's quite a long one. (laughs) It's quite interesting. It was. It was really interesting. And and I guess um, rather than talk about the blog, or or let's talk about whatever we like. But um, I was interested in sort of, was there one big insight for you that you thought, I'll bring this back to Australia. We could do this better or perhaps even something we're doing really well here. In your very different cultures, so different needs. But anyway, just anything new that you picked up there? The biggest thing for me was when I was asked to present at LearnTech Asia, I must admit Mm. I I felt a bit awkward because I thought, what have I got to share? I had these images of the Mm. white Western female standing up on stage to an audience of experienced Asian peers and colleagues who have worked in Asian organisations. That was my first image. You're a foreigner. Yeah, I'm a foreigner. So what have I got? Work in a different a different space or a different culture, a different land. Yeah. yeah, and it was. I know Absolutely. it's going to be bizarre, but I've not lived and worked in a region. Mm. I've worked with lots of Asian people within mm. Australian companies, yeah. but I've not sure. worked immersed myself into that culture. And yeah. so when I went there, I went there with the expectation that I was going to attend all the presentations that had a regional, localized view Mm, because I wanted a different perspective. I know that LearnTech Asia had a whole heap of um, wonderful presentations from all sorts of people in our field Mm. who came all around the world. So from America, Mm. India, that all presented. They were part of my personal learning network on Twitter. I followed them. I, Mm. I read their... Unfortunately, I missed out on some of their presentations simply because in my head, I wanted to attend the regional, local view. Mm. So some of the key um, thoughts and reflections that I, I got, which I'm so glad, is just an alternative perspective to education in general. Mm. I was really surprised that the Asian culture and context education is key. It's critical. Qualifications are core. I mean, it's part of your mm. family. You know, when you go to university, you get a degree. Mm. People want that. And so it was yeah. really interesting to hear a couple of the times the term let's formalize the informal learning and have informal learning somehow connected tied into an accreditation down the track the flip side of that out of interest does it devalue that so they recognizing the power of informal learning but they because they're driven by the the cultural such context a, of yeah, having a, a degree a qualification or a qualification. Yeah, so then there's um, yeah, a lot of activity and thought around going, well, how do we bring this in? Because we have to bring it in yeah. to be a qualification. I've always been surprised at just sort of simple certificates, how powerful they are yeah. in Australia. I too, and it's not, yeah, it's not a qualification at all, but just, anyway, probably very different. That was one aspect. The second mm. aspect that I felt was a lot of talk about government funding. The government is giving and providing a lot more funding to educational institutions to be Mm. able to blend up their learning. So they've recognised that there is a lot of formal education. It's a lot very traditional. Um, You know, there's the teacher and the students and it's very formal. Mm. Um, But they're providing support. They're providing funding for institutions to be able to blend up that learning. 
the money's there and they've got these digital transformation rollouts across different industries and there's 23 of them and they're saying it every say every month every period of time the the, the government focus on the transformation of that particular industry and then supports them with funding to be able to educate people in that mm. industry so education is core and critical and there's money behind it. Mm. This is not what we hear in Australia. We don't hear this. Yeah. Uh, the third aspect really got me interested and I'd love to explore more about this was they call them learning circles. It's social learning. They value mm. small teams of people gathering together and talking about what they've learned or you know whether it was a in a formal program. Mm. So an example would be they have meetups and these meetups could be in person or they have very robust online chatter around learning. So you might do a formal class, be presented with a piece of work, but then from an observer's point of view, you've got Mm. the teacher up there, you've got the students, everyone's quiet, everyone's doing their work, but then what we don't see is behind the scenes, they're all active in the online medium, they're sharing information, they're making these connections. So they're already, from that sense, they're already embracing it, but... The other and the thing that I felt in my gut was I felt that as if the organisations were more interested in the learner themselves. We go yeah. to conversation, we go to conferences, and people say, "Oh, you know, we shouldn't call them learners. We should call them employees or workers, whatever you call it." The focus there was on learning, learner, education, support, care. Mm. I kind of felt as if mm. they were cared for. It's getting a bit touchy feely, but it was just a completely different perspective and not what I was expecting and I came away thankful that I'd seen that and it made Mm. me think of how I can approach social learning and how I could that collaborative learning oh the peer group works really important I know um, we're our eyes are opening up a lot of probably over the last you know six months to eight months we've done a lot more work with um higher education in Australia and um, yeah. it's, it's reflecting back on where we started too, Helen, you know, when I used to talk about e-learning at any conference or anything, if I was giving and talking, I'd always define yeah. it because yeah. I, always, I looked at e-learning as oh, very yeah. distinct when you talk about this thing, e-learning in industry or yeah, higher ed, they're very right. different yeah. things. And we're starting to see that blend a little bit now and, and some of our higher ed is moving towards really working very closely with industry, you know, probably challenging perhaps where your industry has, how they've gone about training at different mm. times. So I, it's it's interesting. And but then offering micro-credentials. Yes. So that's that qualification thing yeah. from a reputable institution that's with great content. Yeah. Anyway, it seems very smart to me to be investing in learning. Yeah, that's, it's, you know, it's a heavy investment there. That's what I've noticed. Well, yeah, that's a big industry, that's but for sure. to take your point again, going back about the conference itself, I would highly recommend it if you're interested mm. in getting that context from mm. an alternative, and especially if you're doing business in Asia, that's where you should be. So, yeah, from an Australian point of view, that's for our providers, our universities. Yeah, um, there's all kinds of partnerships there to offer blends and, yeah. and how to do it if it's something new. It's highly recommended. Yeah. I'd recommend it for any learning, and if you can get to Singapore, it was the inaugural mm. conference this year. Um, okay. I, I, think they're going to run another one. Mm. They do run it in the UK and they're thinking about running one in Paris as mm. well. But it was good to have that very regional perspective. The other thing I noticed just from our peers, mm. just other L&D people, highly, highly qualified. We're talking people with doctorates, people mm. with master's degrees. And so that 
I came away thinking, well, yeah, education is critical for anyone mm. in that role. So qualifications were very important to them. I went to DevLearn in the States and, um, you know, the cult, not as different culturally, but I, I did find it interesting. Yeah. And that was probably the biggest takeaway in some ways of sort yeah. of my competitive nature comes out, I guess, and I'm looking around in the States going, how do we shape up in Australia? Yeah. From an industry yeah. point of view, yeah. not from the learning hook kind of yeah. company point perspective. Just really interested in going, I want to know that what we're doing and what we're thinking and yeah. progressing is is good stuff. I felt that it was, and it's certainly not in competition or anything. I, I just thought uh, DevLearn was a you know a, such a large um, conference and yeah, big show. I also think it's really important that we do attend conferences outside our sphere. So mm. not, don't just attend learning conferences. One of the best things I could go to, like attend conferences outside of your sphere because you'd be surprised what you pick up. Oh, Everyone's still true. talking about learning. Everyone's still talking about how to make their people smarter, how to make mm. their people find information That's quickly. That's a good point. Everyone is having exactly the same issues, but I think as learning and development, we come in at, because we, we understand people, we understand how people learn, we understand mm. how people connect. Um, so the best thing that I have done for my own professional development is attend conferences outside of my sphere. So I attend conferences just to find out what's going on. And every man is I went to an internal auditors one, and <laughs> their focus was on learning how to upskill their auditors to be capable yeah. in working in different environments in a different business landscape. So when you're seeing everyone's talking about learning, we've got so much to offer. Well, and we probably hear those opportunities really well too because yeah. we're not necessarily listening for it, but we're so attuned to thinking performance and, and making connections yeah. around, you know, turning knowledge into action. I went to, <laughs> um, I went to a procurement um, conference. I did take a lot away from it. I know exactly what yeah. you mean. Everyone is talking about performance and, yeah. and learning, really. Um, I'm going to one, two, I should mention, is C2. And it's the oh, first, yes. yeah, the it's, look, it's looking creativity. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be very That should cool. be good. That's been, in, that's been running for a few years now. It never launched in Australia before, but it's, yeah. it's Cirque du Soleil run, yeah. run it. And it's all about experience. Oh. Even like the, where it's being held is secret. Oh, anyway, my God. I have to go to it. It sounds really cool. <laughs> um, C2. Okay. Yeah. Someone collects you and puts a black hat over your head. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> It's going to be a big deal, yeah. So, to wrap it up, was there any uh, websites or blogs or anything that you wanted to share with people that you're sort of actively involved with, Helen, or anything you can share? Apart from my own blog? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, your own blog. Where where do we find that? Activatelearning.com.au, but I'm on Twitter as well. What about your video posts? They're all on YouTube. So what I'm doing is, Hmm. okay, you know how I talked about the importance of showing and sharing your work in progress so that people can understand what you do and what your expertise is? I started exploring Snapchat. I just saw lots of kids using it. Hmm. And I started following companies and I was seeing how companies are using Snapchat to recruit new hires and graduates. And so what they were doing was they were showing and sharing the employees' stories, their projects. So we'd go behind the scenes Mm. at NASA and there'd be an Mm. engineer talking about what they're doing. Or we'd go behind the scenes of General Electric where they were out in Poland somewhere doing some water project and we had the water engineer talking about the water Mm. project. I got to see behind the scenes of organizations who are using Snapchat as a method of showing and sharing work to the world. 
And in so doing, they're, they're actually recruiting young people, young engineers or whatever mm. into their organisation. Mm. But right. then what I do is I download the MP4 file and then I upload it onto my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So then what happens is if someone says, Helen, have you ever worked on this particular system? Or what do you know about Facebook at work? Or what do you know about Yammer? I can, instead of just telling them what it is or showing them my resume, I can actually show them that on the 25th of April, you know, 2017, Mm. I actually worked on a project in Yammer and they actually see me doing the work. I'm using Snapchat as a visual proof and evidence, a portfolio and a body of work. And if it helps other people with them seeing how I'm doing something and then it mm. helps them with their work, then... Oh, Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, that's it. Listen, before we wrap up, so there is one more little thing I love to ask anybody that I interview. Is there a learning hook that, you know, changed the way you learned maybe or something even yeah. that you did that you wrote that was just this little learning hook that got people hooked? It was that aha moment. My aha moment, it's the one and only moment that everything kind of fell into place and that then made me realise that I do have some value that I can help with L&D people and that got me into this space and that I'm quite passionate about. And it was the website by, it's called Life in Perpetual Beta by Mm. Harold Jarkey. I don't know if you know of his work, but he talks about Mm. personal knowledge mastery. Mm. And he talks about how to master and uh, make sense of the world around us. He's got the seek, sense, share model, which is all about how we find information, how do we make sense of it. And then making sense is really all about contextualizing it in our own, Mm. from our own experiences. And then how do we share that to the world so that others could learn from it, use it, could change it, could apply it in their own field. I think the penny dropped for me that... I have got to be responsible for my own learning. I've got to be responsible for my own professional and personal development. Mm. And I have got a range of tools, tech, people out there around the world who can help me make sense of it and who could help me further improve how I look at the world, what I do. And then I could take that and bring that to my own work and help others to do the same. So... Harold Jarkey's work was the clincher, was the jigsaw piece that just kind of fell and it put everything into place for me. It's, it's a powerful moment just finding the right voice out there. Yeah. He's very uh, a, a very deep thinker. Yeah. I've, I've loved some of the stuff I've read. Other 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 parts of his work, for me, I, I go, I just need to be actually in the right headspace yeah. to digest it. But it's brilliant. very good. So that, I highly that's recommend great. Inspired. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolute leader in our industry. So thanks again, Helen. Um, yeah, Yeah, I've got so much out of that um, as I'm sure anyone listening did too if you'd like to know more or comment or anything like that you can find us at learninghook.com.au thank you